Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Man, it's so nice to see you today. I'm so happy you're here at Crossroads. My name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. It is my joy to say that the Warriors are in the finals. Yes. But even more than that, it is my joy to welcome you to Crossroads. You made a great decision to come to church today, and we have a great service plan for you. As we jump into our service, if you would open up your program, a couple things I want to point out. First, if you pull out your communication card, if you take a moment to fill this out, and then later in the service, you can drop this in the offering basket. Can I tell you, we love to know that you are here. We love to know how to pray for you. So if you can take care of that, that would really bless us. Secondly, I'd like to say, please take the time to read your program. So many good events going on, like this Wednesday night, we have our first Wednesday worship service where we're going to give you an update on where we are in the building program and talk about the mission of the church. Also, next Sunday, right after this service, we're having a follower of Christ class to help you nail down what it means to know that you really have Christ in your heart. It's also if you're preparing to be baptized, which we, we're going to have our baptism the following weekend. So, so many different things going on. Please read your program. And then I want to say, as we jump into our message time together, we have an outline for our message. We're continuing in our series called Hostage. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at those negative emotions. We're looking at those things that tend to grab hold of our lives, bind us up, and do damage. And so we're in this series called Hostage. And we've looked at things like guilt and worry and lust. And today... I have the high honor of talking to you about the very real issue of anger, of anger. And on our outline this morning, I hope that you'll take this out and use it to follow along because all the verses that we're looking at from the Bible, they're printed there for you, place to take some notes. And I, because this is such a critical issue in so many people's lives, I really encourage you, please take detailed notes today as we talk about anger. Now, as the reason this is so important is, friends, I just want to point out, it's just a fact. Anger is attacking so many people on so many levels. Anger is attacking our marriages. In fact, on top of your outline, marriage expert Gary Smalley said this, the number one killer of marital love is mismanaged anger. It's attacking our marriages. It's attacking our families. In fact, I want you to look at this video called The Angry F- uh, Family. Let's look at this and then we'll talk about it. Take a look. Escape from Blue Planet. Finally, science fiction. <laughs> the rocket ship landed on the Blue Planet that was filled with water. You don't think this is nice? You know, they wrote these all by themselves. No kidding. <laughs> The rocket got stuck, but the pilot had some extra gas. He's not the only one. So that is how they were able to escape from the blue planet. The end. Wonderful, Ian, and very exciting. Michael, it's your turn. Thank God. We go after this. The angry family. The 
Daddy was mad at the mommy. <laughs> the mommy was mad at the daddy. <laughs> Daddy was very mad at the grandpa. <laughs> the grandma got mad at everybody. I did not. It's wonderful. The grown-ups were always very loud. It hurt the kids' ears. The end. family. And as funny as that video was, you know, it's not funny for kids to grow up and to be held hostage in angry homes. Anger is attacking marriages. It's attacking families. It's wreaking havoc and showing up in workplaces, in our friendships, and even in churches. In fact, I'm curious, a moment of honest confession. How many of you ever got mad on your way to church? Yeah, a lot of us, right? I mean, I know it's just happened to me. One time, Karen and I, we wanted to visit a new church, and we got directions, and on the way there, I got lost. We are about 15 minutes late. I was so mad. I didn't even want to go in. Karen had to, like, talk me down. I'm sitting in the car going, stupid church. Why do we even have to go to church? You ever say that? Not you guys. It's your pastor. I, you know, We get mad at, at so many different things. I I wonder how many of you are sitting here today and you're being held hostage with an angry heart. Well, today I want to talk to you about this very real issue of anger and how left unchecked, it can hold you hostage. It can do great damage. But more than that, I want to talk to you about how when you have God alive in your life, you can break free and you can deal with anger in healthy and helpful ways. And and I want to tell you why I'm so excited to share this message with you. Almost like an an addict or an AA member, I I could seriously stand before you and say, Hi, everybody, my name's Paul, and I'm an an ex-anger addict. I mean, I know what it's like to grow up with an angry family and an angry home. I became the angry, rebellious teenager, mad at life, mad at my parents, mad at God. But friends, when I was 17 years old, I opened my heart to Jesus, and he came into my life, and he replaced the anger, the angry core of my being. Man, like he took that out, and he he replaced it with his love and grace and encouragement. And the truth is, I still struggle with anger from time to time. I still have to follow God's word and follow God's plan, but I want to tell you, I know for a fact That if you're a hostage to anger, that what I'm going to share with you today, it can set you free and it can help you out. So let's pray and then we'll jump right in. Let's pray together. Father, for every precious person here today, the truth is we're here because we need you, God. We need your help and your healing and your encouragement and your wisdom. And I pray, Father, by your word and by your spirit, 
that you would meet us right where we're at and give us just what we need on this day so that we can honor you and bless the relationships we share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, to lay a foundation for my message today, I want to start with with what is perhaps the best verse on anger in the entire Bible. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, and it says this, Be angry without sinning. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil any opportunity to work. Now, would you underline that phrase, be angry without sinning? Can I tell you, this is why I love the verse so much, because it it points to the very real issue that, man, anger is a very normal, everyday part of our very real lives. Everybody gets angry. It's not a sin to get angry, not a sin to feel angry. In fact, sometimes, you know, sometimes anger is the most appropriate response to a situation. Sometimes getting angry is the most loving thing you can do. Give me an example. I love my wife and kids. Someone starts hurting my wife and kids, I'm getting angry. Someone does something to to hurt a child or to, to damage another person, it makes me mad. Evil and injustice in the world makes me upset and angry. Friends, sometimes if you don't get angry, it means you don't love. It means you're apathetic. But Ephesians 4, when it says, be angry without sinning, it obviously implies that there's a way to get angry and not sin, and that not all anger is sin. But see, most of us don't struggle with those issues. Can I tell you this? Selfish anger is sinful. Violent anger is sinful. Uncontrolled, mismanaged anger is sinful. The Bible says sometimes it's the appropriate response, but when not handled well, Anger becomes harmful, and it like holds us hostage. That verse also says, little side note says, don't go to bed angry. In fact, my wife Karen and I, we both grew up in angry homes, and we committed we didn't want to have that in our lives. So on our wedding day, man, we took this verse literally, and we said, we will never go to bed mad at each other, which meant our first year of marriage, we never slept. Never. (laughs) So... But but what this verse is saying is really, don't hang on to anger. Don't hold grudges. Don't hold on. Because when you do that, you give the devil the opportunity to really wreak havoc and mess up your whole life and to damage all your relationships. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I came across a lot of interesting facts. I learned a lot about anger. In fact, I listed the nine top facts of anger on the screen behind me. Like, did you know this, that... The average woman loses her temper three times a week. And that the average man loses his temper like he gets angry six times a week. Because he lives with an angry woman. No, no, no. Oh. I'm feeling some anger right now. Now, Now, check this out. Women get angry more often at people... Men are more, they get more angry with things like that stupid computer or stupid lost keys or stupid car. So it's interesting. Another anger fact, this is, this is very interesting. Women are more verbal with their anger. Men are more physical with their anger. Now, this was surprising to me. It says single adults express their anger twice as often as married adults. And that was surprising. Are you surprised? I, I was wondering why that is, and I thought, well, maybe because 
you know, married men are like, they're just scared. <laughs> they're not going to say no. It's just, I mean, I'm just, how my mind works. I didn't. Now, now check this out. The place that you're most likely to express anger is at home. And then finally, this fact was interesting. The people who make you the most angry are usually those that you love the most because they have the greatest potential to hurt you or offend you or irritate or frustrate you. Another interesting fact that Dr. S.I. McMillan, he identified 51 illnesses that can be directly attributed or caused by anger. 51. In fact, proctologists now know that anger can literally be a pain in the backside. So, I mean, anger... It makes us sick. It causes damage. In fact, it's interesting. I also learned that, did you know that there are two primary ways or primary patterns that people use to express anger? In fact, I listed them on your outline. I want you to see if you can relate to any of these. So I hope you'll write them down. The two primary ways that people express anger. The first way is, I, I, I call this person the sprayer. The sprayer. Do any of you have one of these at home? You don't have one of these? This is what I use to like, I fill it with, with poison, and then I put a little pressure in it. I build up the pressure, and I spray all the bugs and all the people who bug me, right? You know, I, I, I just, the sprayer. And why I'm using this, because some of you, how you express anger, you're, like, well, you're the sprayer. When you get under pressure, when something bothers you, you just go off. It's like poison coming out. You explode. You're the ones who lose your temper. You just uh, have a short fuse, a hairpin trigger. And sprayers, they're the expressive ones. They cuss and they yell and they slam doors. They're the ones, you know you're living with a sprayer. If you feel like you have to walk around on eggshells because you're just nervous that they might go off. You know, the truth is about a sprayer. is It's just like a sprayer filled with poison. If you're not careful with this, man, you can do a lot of damage. You can kill a lot of relationships as a sprayer. In fact, in Proverbs 14, 17 on your outline, it says it well. It says, those who are short-tempered do what? Foolish things. Foolish things. How many of you ever done a stupid thing because you were mad? said something stupid, did something stupid, punched a wall. I know a guy who broke his hand punching a wall because he was mad. I heard a story one time, a guy who, who pulled out a gun and shot his own car because he was stupid things. In fact, in fact, if, if you're a sprayer with your anger, you're susceptible to what I call the Jim Carrey effect. You know the Jim Carrey effect, right? As you get madder and madder, you get dumb and dumber. Jim Carrey effect. You do stupid things. In fact, true story. On a, on a serious note, some of you may remember the 2020 episode where they did an episode on anger and road rage. And they highlighted the true story of a, of a man. He was driving down the road and he felt like someone cut him off. And he got so angry, he pulled up next to them and hand gestures were exchanged and flashing lights, honking hordes, speeding down the road. But he got so mad at the person who cut him off, that he pulled in front, and on a stoplight, he reached under his seat, he pulled out a semi-automatic handgun, and he just sprayed the car behind him. Well, the person in the car behind him 
was a 17-year-old girl. And out of anger, he killed that girl. And they did his story on 2020. He's now sitting in a prison cell for the rest of his life. And they interviewed him and they asked him this question. Do you think that people should feel sorry for you? And this is what he said. I mean, he took the life of a 17-year-old girl. His response was, well, she started it. She started it. Kind of sounds like some of our six-year-olds, right? Her fault. She... This is what he said. And now this guy, for the rest of his life, he'll be held hostage in a prison cell, and this girl, her life is gone. Do you know in the Bible, they have a story of another sprayer. It goes by the name of Cain. If you look on your outline, the story of Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain committed the first murder out of anger. In Genesis 4, 4 through 8, in a very revealing passage, it says this. So Cain became very angry and was disappointed. And then the Lord asked Cain, why are you so angry? Which if you're a sprayer, man, that's a great question to ask yourself. Why are you so angry? If you do well, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do well, Sin is lying outside your door, ready to attack. It wants to control you, but you must master it. And later, when they were in the fields, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Would you underline the phrase, it wants to control you, but you must master. Friends, do you understand? Sin, anger, it wants to control you. Sprayers, you have to learn to master it. Cain became a sprayer, and he attacked and killed his own brother. Now, the reality is, some of you, you you know what it's like to be attacked by a sprayer. You've been attacked emotionally by cruel, mean words. Some of you have been attacked physically. And some of you, as I'm giving this talk right now, you're saying, Pastor Paul, this is me. This is how I handle my anger. And you're sitting here today and you understand that you've done a lot of damage. You've sprayed a lot of poison. In fact, do you know, do you understand sprayers? This is the most harmful form of anger. And there on your outline, would you write this down? That that anger for you is one letter away from danger. Danger. You're in danger of doing so much damage with your life. And my prayer for you today is that there will be a new conviction to learn a new way of expressing your anger. Now, the second main pattern that people use to express anger, we have the sprayer, but the second way that a lot of you relate to is what I call the stewer. The stewer. Now, the stewer is the opposite of of the sprayer. They don't blow up. They clam up. They don't get violent. They get silent. They stuff all their anger inside and they, they try to cover up. They crockpot their anger. Any of you, do we have any crockpot people here? You kind of stuff your anger down and you let it simmer. You let it stew and it creates a slow burn. You know, people who crockpot their anger make me think of Psalm 32.3 on your outline because when you cook meat in a crockpot, man, it makes the meat so tender that it just falls off the what? The bone. Well, check out Psalm 32.3 on your outline. It says this. When I kept silent, my what? My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. See, here's the deal. 
Stewards, they take all their frustration, all their disappointments, all their hurts, they stuff it down, and they try to keep a lid on it. And stewards fall into the misconception that they actually think they're doing something good. Like, hey, I'm just trying to keep the peace. I hate conflict, and I don't want, you know, I'm trying to cover it all up. But friends, can I tell you, if you're a crockpotter with your anger, if you stew, friends, what happens, the pressure builds, and the slow burn leads to an emotional heartburn. Psychologists tell us that, that those who use this pattern of anger, it leads to sleep disorders, tension, headaches, ulcers, depression. In fact, experts tell us that one of the main causes of depression is covered up anger. Just does a lot of damage, friends, when, when you express your anger this way. And can I tell you, when you cover it up, when you're trying to keep it under wraps, you're not fooling anyone. You're in, everybody, everybody in your house, it's, it's like this. People know when you're angry because they can smell it. Just like food in a crock pot. You know, whenever my wife cooks food in a crock pot, as soon as I walk in the door, man, I know it. The aroma just fills the whole house. And it's a wonderful smell. Crockpot anger, different smell. Different smell. But it, it affects the whole household. And it shows up with low-level tension, distance, pouting, sulking, sarcasm, guilt trips, a loss of joy that steals all the joy from your relationships and your home. In fact, let me give you a, an example of a steward right out of the Bible in the story of Mary and Martha. Do you know it? Do you know the story? Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling, and they come to Mary and Martha's house. Well, Martha immediately jumps into high gear, get the house ready mode. Mary goes in, and she sits down by Jesus, pulls out her She wants to listen to Jesus. She's writing down what he's saying. She's learning from Jesus. But Martha, she starts stewing. She starts stuffing. She starts doing, I could just see Martha doing what I call angry housework. Amy, you know what I'm talking about? You ever see someone do angry housework? I mean, they're not yelling. They're not screaming, but dishes go in the sink a little louder than they need to. Cabinets open and close. And they're not yelling, but you hear these little voices like, Honey, is something wrong? Oh, no, nothing, sweetie. <laughs> Stewing, you see. Man, I, that's, Martha gets to the point where she finally, man, she can't contain it anymore. And look at what comes out. Look what comes out on your outline. Luke 10, 40. But Martha was, ups, was upset about all the work she had to do. So she asked, so insightful, Lord, don't you care don't you care that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Would you underline that phrase? Lord, don't you care? See, stewards, they don't yell or scream. Much more passive aggressive. They use guilt, sarcasm, the nobody cares what I'm going through mentality. But the, the problem is they make everyone else miserable. They're not happy, and the result is nobody. It's like uh, the phrase on the, this is what I'd say. We had a, the, the sprayer write down, you know, anger is one letter away from danger. Stuart, write this down, because this is the difference you make. Because like this, if mama ain't happy, what? Ain't nobody happy. 
It's a result of stewed anger. And sometimes it can be just as harmful as the sprayer. The sprayer and the stewer. Which one are you? It's funny, last night after the service, some came, some came up to, someone came up to me and said, Hey, Pastor Paul, think about your message. He, he goes like this, I think I'm both. I think I'm both because, man, I start stewing and I stewing, but then the pressure builds. And then what happens is, man, I go off and then I lose it and then I spray all over everybody. He said, I'm messed up. Kind of like the family we saw in the beginning. You know, you know let, let's go back to the family we are looking at. I want you to see, because in their relationship, one's a sprayer, one's a stewer, and they're trying to work out their anger issues. I want you to see it, and then we'll talk about it. Take a look. <laughs> Michael. Hey, what, what, what are you going to do? I want to talk to him. Michael, could you come in here, please? Be careful what you say. Don't worry. He writes it down. <laughs> Sweetie, I just want to ask you something. Do you think that your family is the angry family? It's okay, honey, you can tell us. Ray, you want to... Nope. (laughs) I loved your story, Michael. (laughs) Said Daddy. Go on, watch TV. What's wrong with you? What? Hey, if you were on top of stuff, you could have stopped the story from leaking out. I am on top of stuff. What do you do, huh? Look, those stories were supposed to be a surprise for the parents. Surprise for the parents? I think a surprise is you get to the school and there's an open bar. (laughs) No, this was like an ambush. And you can't even see what the real problem is here, can you? There's an image that Michael has of us. Come on, we're normal. Comparatively normal. (laughs) Watch the news. Please. Although, I will say, there are times when you seem to yell for no reason. (laughs) Maybe, maybe that's what he's picking up on. I'm pretty sure that most of the leading characters in that story were from the Barone side. Yeah, okay, but the loud part I'm thinking is probably you. So you're blaming me. You're completely free and clear. I'm sorry, but I am not the yeller. You are the reason for the yeller! Well, you assume that there must be yelling. Yeah, you're damn right hey, there's hey, yelling. Hey, 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 hey! hey. Can I have a juice? Sure, yeah. sweetie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that, right, Mommy? Yeah. Thank you, Daddy. <laughs> We have problems. Man, what an insightful last line to that video clip. We have problems. We have problems. You know, I put a great quote on the back of your outline from the great thinker Aristotle who said these words, anyone can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way, that is not easy. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Some of you know when it comes to the expression of anger in your life, you know that you got problems. 
You know that your current expressions are hurting the people you love and care about, but the problem is you don't know what to do. You don't know how to change. And so what I want to do with the rest of the time that I have in this message is I want to talk about four ways, four things to consider when addressing your anger that I know that if you apply them, man, it will change the outcome. It will change the pattern. So are you ready? Four considerations when confronting anger. The first one is simply count the cost. Count the cost. Proverbs 29, 22 says, an angry person causes trouble. A person with a quick temper, what? Sins a lot, a lot. What this verse is saying is when I mismanage my anger, I cause trouble. I do damage. Friends, I lose every time I lose my temper. Do you understand? You got to count the cost because of your anger. You can lose the love of your wife, the respect of your children, you can lose your job, a friendship. In fact, I even, I, before my very eyes, I saw a pastor lose their ministry because of mismanaged anger. And they had to leave the church. See, so, so here's what I'm saying. Before I grab my sprayer, before I grab my crock pot, man, I need to slow down long enough to count the cost, to count the cost. Here's what I mean. Counting the cost means you call a timeout and you give some serious thought. You go, man, if I keep down the current anger response road that I'm on, where will this road take me? If I keep handling my anger the same way, what will be the results to my life and for those I love? Can I tell you, uh, in a very real way, I had one of the most profound count the cost anger moments in my life 19 years ago. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. My wife, Karen, was eight and a half months pregnant. And can I tell you, I had all the excuses in the world to be angry. Man, I stressed out at work, leading a brand new church. We just bought a house, and I'm trying to get the house all painted and ready for the new baby. I was overwhelmed with the demands on my life. But we were two weeks away from the birth of our first child. And something snapped in me. And man, I sprayed all over my wife. Man, I yelled. I was mean. I used cruel words. Can you imagine eight and a half months pregnant? To this day, one of the biggest regrets of my whole life is the way that I talked to my wife that day. But God, on that day, God gave me a gift. Because I, I, I remember, guys, with, with tears streaming down my wife's face, she said these words. She said, look at me. She said, you have about two weeks to get your act together because I will not raise my daughter in an angry, out-of-control home. And she walked out of the room, went into the bedroom and shut the door rather forcefully, and I was left just standing there. And then I did what Psalm 4, 4 says on your outline. It says this. Don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Think about it. Think, underline the phrase, think about it overnight and remain silent. Friends, I did that because she wouldn't talk to me. We didn't talk the rest of the night. I remember laying in my bed that whole night thinking about, man, we can't do this anymore. Something's got to change. 
I need to count the cost. And then number two on your outline, write this down. Consider the cost. Consider the cost. Think about today, what makes people angry? Think about, well, what makes people mad? Isn't the truth anything and everything? The toilet seat, the trash not taking out, the, the slow driver, the, the lost keys, the, the cruel words, uh, the time of the month, uh, you know what, it, the, the list goes on. Anything and everything makes us mad. But friends, you've got to consider the cause this way. When someone pushes your buttons and makes you mad, for most of you, your normal response is you go in attack mode. The fight or flight reaction. And friends, can I tell you, before you get defensive, Take a moment to consider Proverbs 14, 29. It says this, slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. That's what you want to get, deep understanding. You want to know the cause. A quick-tempered person does what? Stockpile stupidity. Underline that phrase, stockpiles stupidity. When you're quick to jump into anger mode, in fact, next time, friends, you get mad. Instead of jumping right into fight mode, Let me encourage you, slow down long enough to get deep understanding. Let me give you a real-life example. Man's riding the bus. The next bus stop, another man gets on with three little kids. And the man sits down, but his kid, it's like he's in in a zone. He's not even paying attention. His three little kids are, like, out of control. They're running up and down the aisle of the bus. They're climbing over seats. They're bugging other passengers. But this first man, man, he's just stewing away. It's bugging him. Man, what kind of dad is that? He's got to, man, he's got to take control of his kids. And finally, man, he loses and he goes to this man. And he says, dude, come on. Can't you see your kids are out of control? You got to step up. What kind of dad are you? And he's really mad. And the first man kind of in a numb state just says, I'm so sorry. We just came from the hospital and my wife just died. He said, I... I'm lost. My kids aren't handling it well. Man, you know how the first guy felt? Man, he just stockpiled stupid. He felt stupid, right? Me, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Friends, you understand that many times the cause is, is I've, had, I've said this so many times, hurt people hurt people. And so before you stockpile stupidity, why don't you slow down to ask, what is the cause? What is making this person act like a jerk? What is making me so, so mad? Friends, this is so key that you do this and you do this well. Slow down to consider the cause. In fact, on your outline, would you look at this quote? It says, anger is not a primary emotion. Kind of just like colors. There are three primary colors, and all the other colors are made up of shades of those primary colors. Anger is not a primary emotion. It's generally the result of hurt, frustration, or fear. If I want to deal with my anger constructively, I need to step back, ask what's underneath the anger, so I'm not just dealing with all the surface stuff up here, but I'm getting to the root causes. I count the cost, I consider the cause, and then number three is so key. You must, you must, you must chart a new course. You must chart a new course. Proverbs 29 11 says this, a fool gives full vent to his anger. He just sprays all over people. He writes the mean email. He sends the mean text. He kicks the dog. He yells at his kids. Full vent to his anger. But a wise man, 
keeps himself under control. Fool gives, fool gives full vent. Wise man under control. Friends, look at me. Which one do you want to be? Which one do you want to be? If you want to be a wise man, you're going to have to chart a new course. In fact, the most helpful verse on anger that I've ever seen in the whole Bible comes from James 1, 19 and 20 that says this. Everyone. Who does that apply to? You, right? Me, right? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Underline that phrase, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Someone once said, hey, Paul, there's a reason God gave you two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you talk. Be quick to listen. In fact, how do you, get, how do you become slow to get angry? Thomas Jefferson writes this, when angry, count to 10 before you speak. When very angry, count to 100. It's good advice, friends. But a few years later, Mark Twain revised that statement. He said this, when angry, count to four. When very angry, use profanity. So uh, we're going to stick with Thomas Jefferson on that one. But, but here's what I'm saying. There's a quote that says the same thing in Proverbs 15:1 on your outline that says this, a gentle answer, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But harsh words stir up anger. Now, if you're taking notes, underline gentle answer. And then somewhere to the side, write this phrase, words and volume. Words, a gentle answer equals words and volume. Do you know, charting a new course means I have to learn a new way of using my words and a new way of controlling the volume of my anger. I need to switch from harsh words that make it worse and loud volume that intensify the arguments to use gentle words and lower volume. Now, on a side note, can I just say something to those of you who are married today, especially if you're married with little kids? I see so many couples using careless, angry words with one another, even in public. And can I tell you, when you yell out things like, I hate you, I can't stand you, maybe, maybe we should just get a divorce, and your spouse hears words like that, and your little children hear words like that, you've just undermined the whole security of your home. Friends, now, don't ever use the D word. Use the G word, the, the gentle words. And not just the right words, because you understand, like, words here are, in fact, I have a little tube of Colgate, any Colgate people here? Colgate people? How many Crest people? You know, words are like the two, you know, when words come out, man, they, they, they just uh, make a mess, right? But let me ask you, once this toothpaste is out of the tube, what are my chances of putting it back? Zero, Right? Man, when the angry, harsh words come, you can later say, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. You'll never, you'll never get it back. Once they come out, friends, the damage is done. Man, this, this, is, this is so key. And then on the volume side of things, what I mean by that is, do you understand? It's a physiological fact 
that when you lower your volume, you lower your anger levels. Opposite is true. The louder you, have you ever noticed, have you ever been in a fight? The louder you get, the angrier you get. You understand that's totally true? My wife Karen and I, we would be having fights and then she'd tear, you know, stop yelling at me. And I'd be all like, you think this is yelling? This is not yelling. I can show you yelling. And I just get all revved up and the adrenaline starts flowing and louder. And man, no, no, lower the volume to lower your anger. Chart a new course. Now, friends, look at this. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, everything I told you, if you'll do it, it will help you. Man, if, if you'll count the cost, consider the cost, chart a new course. Man, it will make a difference. But the most important thing, the best thing I saved for last, would you write it down? Choose Christ. Choose Christ to become the Lord and leader of your life. Let me explain this. Let me, let me come back to the toothpaste a little bit here. Now, I know sometimes I use complex illustrations, so, so bear with me here. So this tube of toothpaste, if I squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what's going to come out? I, I know, a tough, yeah, toothpaste, right? Minty. I like that. <laughs> you know, so, so, so here's the deal. <laughs> when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, toothpaste comes out because there's toothpaste in the tube. Are you with me? Okay, now apply that to your life. When the squeeze is put on you, when you're under stress, when you're under pressure, when you get angry, and you can just feel it building up in your life, and it's pumping away. Guess what? When the squeeze is on, you know what's going to come out? What's inside you. What's inside you. See, some of you, your biggest problem is you never take ownership for your anger. You always blame it on the other person who made you mad or the event or the thing. But can I tell you, the heart of your problem is a problem of the heart. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 15, 19 on the screen behind me. Jesus said, from the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and immorality, theft, lying, slander. From the heart. And friends, the reason I'm saying this is is I want to tell you, I grew up in such an angry, dysfunctional, messed up home. My dad was a sprayer who did incredible damage. My mom knew how to cook up a whole crock pot full of stewed anger. And the result is at our house, man, it was just a normal day to yell and scream and name call and slam doors and throw stuff and sometimes even let fists fly in our house. And I grew up, that got so deeply ingrained in my heart that I just needed more than a few pointers. I needed more than a new course. I needed a new heart. Now, can I tell you, this is, this is why this last point is so important. God specializes in giving people new hearts. It's called salvation. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins so that you can be forgiven, have a new beginning. He'll come live inside you and he'll give you a new heart. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says on your outline. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And what I want to do now is I want you to hear a real life story from someone who did choose Christ. 
And she became a new person because of her faith. And I want you to hear her story as we welcome her now. Erin Castillo, let's welcome Erin as she comes and shares her story with us. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Um, So I'm going to share my story with you. Um, I was born into a Catholic family. I grew up in a Catholic church, went to a Catholic school, spent my Sundays in Sunday school, and thought highly of my Lord and Savior. During lunch, I would pray the rosary instead of playing. I became an altar server as soon as I met the age requirements. I attended catechism and did all the things that I thought good Catholics were supposed to do. However, I always wanted to be in control, and I had difficulty surrendering my problems to God. When I was eight years old, I woke up one night unable to breathe. I rushed to my parents' room and woke them up, unable to explain what was happening. That was the first time I remember questioning and being angry with God. Why was he not letting me breathe? I began to question his reasoning for this situation. I was so young, and I thought I was doing everything right. If God loves and cares for everyone, why would he do this to me? I thought I was doing everything right. I had heard stories of miracles where Jesus or God had appeared to people or shown his presence in quite obvious ways. I kept wondering why God hadn't presented himself to me in my time of need. I grew frustrated with him for not showing himself to me. And after a while, I began to question his existence. Other events would follow that caused me to wander further from God and question his presence. When I was 10 years old, I left Catholic school. I struggled a lot with school, and I needed to be in a better academic environment. My family remained heavily involved with our church at first, but over time, we distanced ourselves from our church because some of our friends had stopped talking to us, and rumors began to spread about why we had left Catholic school. Again, I became angry with God and questioned why why would he have such vicious followers, and why would they want to shun us? I began to think that religion was a hoax, that people were buying into something that didn't actually exist. When I reached high school, I decided to put God to the test. If he was real, then he would watch over and protect me from everything. I fought hard to control each and every situation, but the only real thing that I control was my body and my own eating habits. I began to skip meals. I started with breakfast each morning, eventually skipping lunch, and later started shoving my food into napkins and flushing it or tossing it in the trash when no one was watching. I grew thinner over time and kept waiting for God to appear to me and fix the situation. People began to grow concerned. They started to ask me about my weight. Was this God's way of showing himself? I wasn't sold by these actions at first. But over time, my friends and family talked me out of my eating disorder, and I began to think a bit more highly of God. This is what led me to start exploring other religions. I wanted to see and hear about how God had worked in other people's lives and why I should trust him to be in control of my own. I searched for a church that welcomed people to join them on their journey to knowing our Father. At one point, I was attending a Mormon seminary, a Protestant youth group in church services, leading a Catholic confirmation class, and participating in the high school group here at Crossroads. I was desperate to find a place where I felt at home, a place where I could let God in and start handing over control to him. But I just couldn't trust him yet. It wasn't before long that I was met with another challenge, 
and had to decide to either control the situation myself and be angry or to put the control in God's hands. My grandmother passed away after tripping over her dog and hitting her head. My first instinct was to be angry, and I was for a while. But after a while, I realized I needed to stop being so angry and to let God do his work. I could not control the situation. What happened had happened, and only he could control it. It was soon after that that I allowed Jesus to come into my life, and I took him as my Lord and Savior. I wanted his help so I could stop being so angry over situations that I couldn't control and insisted uh, that I instead trust the plan that he had in place for me. A while later, in 2012, I was again put to the test when I was diagnosed with leukemia. I was six weeks away from college graduation. I went three long days of praying dozens of times to God and crying out his name. And by the fourth day, my tears had ran dry. I believed in the plan that he had in place for me. I believed he was setting me down this path for a reason. The next day, my doctors explained that I had a false positive and that newer tests showed that I did not actually have leukemia. Had I spent this time being angry with God, I probably would have missed out on the reason behind the situation. I trusted him, and I believed that there was a reason for this experience, and there sure was. Because of the way my boyfriend Christian took care of me during this scary time, I realized that he would make a wonderful husband, that he would be there for me, and that he truly cared about me. I started thinking more about my future and how I wanted my relationship with God to shape my relationship with Christian. I realized that in the past, I spent so much time being angry with God and that I was unable to see God's message, his teachings, or the lesson that he was trying to provide me with. I'm still young, and I know that there will be many more twists and turns in this road, but I trust and believe that God is with me each step of the way. He knows me better than anyone in the world. He knows my limits, and I am confident that he is putting me down the road that will take me to where I need to go in life. We may not always see or understand understand the plans that he has in place for us or the events that he is putting us through, but I can trust in the plan that he has that he is taking me to where I need to go. Remember that God may not always answer us immediately or give us what we are looking for, but he always will answer us in his own way and in his own time. So if you can relate to being mad or angry at God for any of the things that you have gone through or are going through, let me encourage you to please let go of your anger, open your heart up to Jesus, and trust that he loves and cares for each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. I really love you, and I'm so glad that you chose Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not only helped you with your anger, but now I see him using you in so many different ways to help others know God's love. So thank you for that. Guys, I want to close my message with one last verse that captures what God will produce in your life if you choose Christ as your Savior and Lord. Galatians 5, and 23 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Friends, look at this. I want you to look at this list, and I want to ask you the question, if this is the fruit of your life, how many of you, this would be a dream come true is if this is what your life produced? How many of you, it would be a dream come true if this is how your spouse lived, you know, or your kids behaved, right? Well, friends, can I tell you, this dream can come true by choosing Christ. And some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Paul, I did that. I prayed, I asked Jesus to come in my life, but I still mess up with my anger and I'm not seeing the fruit. Kind of reminds me of my daughter, Sierra, when she was six. For her birthday, I bought her a little, little apple tree. We went on the backyard and we planted the tree and we watered it. And she even named the tree Cider. Cute little tree. And, and then the, she went to bed the next morning. She gets up, she looks at the tree, she runs in. She says, oh, daddy, daddy, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, what do you mean, honey? She said, there are no apples on the tree. And I said, honey, fruit takes time. You plant, you water, you nurture, you prune. You show patience, and eventually the apples will come. Friends, you choose Christ. You get planted in your faith. You come to worship. You get in a group. You get in God's word. You stay the course, and I promise you, this dream will come true. You will produce the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience. You'll mature. In fact, I've been talking a long time. I want to give you just a moment to dream. In fact, would you all just right now bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to give you a little gift. I want you to dream for a moment what your life might look like if you made an all-out commitment to handle your anger God's way, to follow God's word and allow Christ to rule and reign in your heart. You know, some of you, as you're sitting here, You have severely damaged, and some of you even lost some relationships because of your mismanaged anger. Some of you, you've hurt your kids, and they look at you with fear in their eyes. They're afraid. Some of you, you're just embarrassed. You've embarrassed yourself in front of coworkers or in a social setting because you lost control. Some of you, the truth is, you don't have very many close friends because as people get close to you, they realize you're not a very safe person to be around. And some of you are in a marriage where there's not a lot of intimacy because your anger has killed all feelings of love and joy. But dream. Dream for a moment. If the overflow of your life was marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, imagine how it would change your marriage, your home, your relationships. Imagine, dream what it'd be if you could move through the demands of your day. I mean, traffic jams and deadlines and difficult people, but you had an inner sense of being grounded in God's love and and filled with God's peace. Imagine looking at people, instead of looking at people with judgment and anger and hostility, you just genuinely love people with God's love and joy and patience. You know, that dream can come true. Happened for Aaron. Happened for me. It can happen. This is what God can do when you count the cost. 
consider the cause, chart a new course, and most profoundly, choose Christ. I want to give you a chance to do that now as we pray together. Do you just pray in your heart, dear God? I mean, just call it out. Call it what say, God, I admit, I have a problem with my anger, and I'm asking for your help. God, help me to count the cost. Help me no more excuses, Lord. Help me to learn to release my anger in appropriate ways. And help me find my identity in you completely. For some of you, your barriers, you're like Aaron, you're mad at God today. Would you let go of that anger? Say, God, like Aaron, I, I don't want to fight you anymore. I don't want to be mad at I want to trust you. Replace this anger with your love and grace. And for some of you, maybe you're, today's your day where you say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me, change me, help me. Help me make the changes that only you can make. For it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.